This is No More Normal. I'm Khalil Ekelona. I am a sports fan. I play them. I watch them. I enjoy them. Sports has been a form of entertainment for humans since, well, humans. While not all of us get obsessed with our favorite teams and look to flip over police cars when their squad wins the title, we do find ourselves lost in a world of athletic prowess and skill. I mean, they do pull off miraculous feats. Just don't try it at home. You don't have a team doctor to repair a torn ACL. Trust me. Sports serve as a great tool to teach lessons to the youth. They learn about teamwork, dedication, loyalty, setting goals, and hard work. They also learn how to have fun. What's life without a little fun? I'm going to take a guess and say that most Nomono listeners are not heavy sports fans. In today's show, we'll give you something to cheer about. In episode 35, we talk to a championship team that won in the most dramatic fashion possible, the athletic director of New Mexico State University. We catch up with a baseball player whose season was cut short last year, a local network that brings high school games to families across New Mexico, and four people who love to prognosticate on all things sports. No More Normal starts now. If you want an idea on what it means to weather a storm, to get hit with a setback, to pick yourself up and to accomplish your goals, just listen to this next piece. When I spoke to Santiago Cooper last April, he was not a happy teenager. New Mexico had just canceled the spring season for high school sports, and Santiago, a shortstop for Sandia Prep, was understandably very disappointed when their season was stopped after only three games. We were looking forward to a great season. Our hopes were really high. I'm a sophomore, so for my eighth grade year, we knew that we were going to have a good shot this specific year. We worked and worked and worked. This was the moment we were waiting for, and then when all this happened, it was very surreal. Mm. Explain how. This could only happen in a movie, it felt like. Mm. We know this is our year. We've worked up to this point. We're excited. And then, boom, something happens and we can't play. In 2021, high school sports were back on, and Sandia Prep finally got to play more than a small handful of games. By season's end, Santiago and his teammates were singing a different tune. Sandia Prep went from three games in 2020 to the New Mexico 3A state championship in 2021. I hopped on the phone to check in with Santiago. Hello? Santiago, how's it going, man? Good, how about you? I'm doing well, sir. Last year, we were on the line talking about how the season ended after three games. You all have gone on to go 19-4 and overall, being ranked third in the state, and you win the state championship. Talk to me about that turnaround and that transformation. How does it feel? When we got that season taken away from us, we really made a choice to stay tight as a family and really plan to come back and be ready and be hungry to do some damage in our games and but it was really not just for us it was really for the seniors who didn't get a chance to play last year Mm -hmm. and our coach who retired last year i think it had to do with some frustration of not being able to play the team was able to take the emotional impact of a losing season and turn it around into a state title the next year. That type of thing is not easy to do. Good coaching and guidance is needed in all levels of sport. I wanted to talk to someone who had a part in this transformation, so I met up with Sandia Prep baseball head coach, Scott Brandt. 
Right now, we are in the third base dugout, which is our home dugout. This is where we sit and put all of our gear in during our practices and our games. And of course, we're at our home baseball field. Last year was my first year here with the program. Before the world shut down, I was a JV coach. Coach Paul Hewitt, who was here for 20 years, won six titles, impacted so many young men's lives, decided to retire. They offered me the position. I accepted it. But this was just a testament of so many people unbelievable senior leadership and it just worked out i mean it's difficult to win a state title and they found a way to do it he goes on to tell me about the difficulty of shutting down the 2020 season and the trouble of getting started for 2021. it was difficult we were planning on playing at a tournament up in santa fe and then we get the word that it's shut down so we stopped all team activities then next you know all the schools closed down then the world closed down so we had a lot of zoom meetings just to mentally check in, see how everyone's doing. And then September came around and we had our off-season workouts. And that was a roller coaster ride. We started off with having groups of 10, then it slowly went down to seven, then it slowly went down to four. So a perfect analogy would be, imagine being in a car with someone learning how to drive stick. It's a stop and go, stop and go type thing. So that was frustrating, but we wanted to make sure everybody was mentally healthy and somewhat locked in and doing okay as much as you can with everything shut down. The mental health of athletes has become a hotbed of discussion. Professional tennis star Naomi Osaka withdrew from the French Open and Wimbledon tournament, stating that the mandatory news conferences create anxiety and strain on her mental health. Last month, Richard Sherman, a defensive back in the NFL, told the Seattle Times that the pro sports world has, quote, a long way to go in how they approach mental health issues. Those are pro athletes. Imagine high school in a pandemic. So I talked to Coach Brandt. Here, he's expressing the type of messages the coaching staff shared with the team and what he saw as a result of those Zoom conversations. Stuff like this will happen in our lives. How can we see the positives and make it better? Even though the negative stuff is there, how can we focus on the positive and make it a better situation? And I think what happened over time is their fortitude became stronger, the perseverance, their mental toughness, their ability to not take things for granted, especially at this age, how, you know, they're just living in the moment. And the other thing is they're going to have a story to tell. Not only when they tell their grandkids about their state tournament, they're also going to say, well, 16 months before that, we didn't have any toilet paper or hand sanitizer. So it's a whole story now that we're getting through it and we're on hopefully the backside that we have a positive story to remember and to pass on to our, our kids and our grandkids. High school athletes are growing and developing as they're learning about the world. Coaching them is a huge responsibility. If you're a high school administrator, you would want to get that hire right. I met up with. Uh, my name is Willie Owens, and I am the athletic director here at Sandia Prep. As athletic director, Owens oversees all aspects of Sandia Prep sports teams, from hiring coaches and officials to maintaining the fields, gymnasiums, and equipment, and coordinating the budget along with the scheduling for 54 teams in 22 sports. He has a lot on his plate. Hiring the wrong coach is dangerous. I asked him what qualities he looks for in the coaching hires. One of my questions has to be when you as a coach are at that point where your team is either winning by a lot or losing by a lot and you get the chance to put that kid in that doesn't get to play that much that tells me a lot about you as a person because if it's about winning that kid would never get off the bench but if it's about you as a coach and 
you're doing what's best for kids, that kid gets in and gets in that bat. That kid gets in and gets in on the relay team, or he's the last person on the bench that gets up off the bench and everyone else is cheering for that kid when he gets in because he doesn't play that much or she doesn't play that much. And if you as a coach is that type of person, that's the kind of people we want working for us. It's safe to say that Santiago feels good about the hiring of Coach Brandt. He has brought a different philosophy to this team. That it's something I really like. And what he really likes to push is being good people. And, and he talks about respecting your last name. He's brought a lot of energy, which is great. He's really detailed in the practices. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy this coach, and I'm excited to play another year with him. What was it like for you, first-year head coach? Dealing into an unprecedented situation, and you got all these kids, and you're trying to lead them, just lead them in general, let alone to a state championship. What was that transition experience like? Without sounding like too much cliche, I just focused on each day. We tried to get better each day. Again, we talked about mental health. Some of these kids were still doing hybrids. Some of them were still just at home doing online. Some of them came back to the classroom. So there's a lot of stuff still going on in their lives. In the meantime, we're still just trying to get better each day. How can we be better teammates? How can we pick up our teammates? And that's what we did. And this team got together. I mean, we had some tough losses at the beginning of the year that I think gave us a little scar tissue, if you will, that helped us win later on in the year, and especially that state championship. That was our first game that we scored less than three runs and we won all year. That's a true testament to their character and how they grew and how they stuck together. After the first four games of the season, the Sun Devils stood at one win and three losses with a fresh 14-2 thrashing by Los Alamos. But then the work and dedication started to pay off, with the team winning 14 games in a row. The pitching was ace and their bats were on fire until the state championship game. Santiago shares his thoughts. That last game, you know, playing at um, Lobo Stadium was definitely different with Hmm. all those people. But I think it had to do with our nerves. I think later on we settled in more. But if I'm being honest with you, I mean, that game was not a well-played game in terms of our hitting. But fortunately, we got one that connected, and that was the one that mattered. He gets a hold of one to left field. Back on the ball is Marujo, and it is out of here. A home run. It's a home run for Tremmy. Two to one, win the state championship as the final out was recorded. What were your thoughts of Felix? Ironically, before the game, I turned to my assistant coach and I said, Gus Walker, who is our starting center fielder, he's our senior, he's going to make the last out. He's going to catch the last out of the game. So top of the seventh, first guy struck out. Next guy popped up to first. And he was either the first or second pitch. He flew out to center field. I raised my hands. That's in the air to center field. Walker underneath it and has it. And the ball game is over. Sandia Prep, the 2021 Class 3A champions. And watching replays of it, he comes running in, throws off his hat, his glasses, his glove. He almost just threw off all of his clothes, and then there's a huge pile at the mound. They were so excited and so happy. And I, I couldn't be more proud of this unit just for what they've gone through over the last 18 months. Last year, COVID took away championship opportunities from the class of 2020 and retiring head coach Paul Hewitt. In 2021, the Sandia Prep Sun Devils made good on that hope from the year before. I asked Santiago what was the first thing they did once they won the title. We all contacted our old coach and the seniors and 
and just they were congratulating us. It was really cool. Mario Mosia is the athletic director for the New Mexico State University Aggies. They are planning to have full attendance at their football games this fall, and I wanted to see what the plan was. He begins our conversation telling me about how they are approaching the upcoming season. So what we're doing right now from a student-athlete standpoint is really encouraging student-athletes to get vaccinated. We are not at that mandated stage yet. You know, we've talked to the individual coaches. We've talked to the athletes, but it's been interesting because some of our African-American student athletes, you know, we've seen through the numbers have been a little apprehensive about the vaccine. And we've had some African-American doctors come in and speak to them, you know, friends of the program, things like that. And I thought it's very important that they get a message from somebody who looks like them and who, you know, has experienced some reluctance in their own communities. So that's the person to deliver the message. We will wait to see what the NCAA says as well as the campus and the state, right, for unvaccinated student-athletes because that's something that's a little bit out of our control. Will there be testing? Will there be mask wearing? You know, what, what will the testing look like? From a fan standpoint, as far as mass gatherings, we're following the state regulations. So mm -hmm. we're a little bit at the state's discretion on what we're allowed to do. So far, you know, we're following what the state of New Mexico says and, and um, you know, they're saying 100% capacity at the moment. Now, as far as the African-American students you mentioned, when you all brought the new protocols to the student-athletes and spoke with them, what were some of the specific reactions and responses that they had? You know, it was a very good discussion. I was the president of MOA for two years. That's the largest minority group of athletic administrators in the country. So, you know, I have a lot of individuals that I can lean on with questions, things like that. And I certainly did that from a national level. You know, hey, what, what do you think is the best way to do this? One of my neighbors is a gastroenterologist, African-American. Another one's an anesthesiologist. And I was actually having a drink with him. And I was telling him the issue. And he says, Mario, I am giving that message to my African-American church that I attend. And I'm finding mm -hmm. reluctance. So I know at least I can have that discussion with them. I can talk about reasons why there's apprehension. I can talk to them about the science behind it. I can maybe dispel some myths and rumors. Yeah. Let me be clear, not just African-American student athletes, but all the athletes who may have questions about it. Yeah, I saw some report where there's over 500 schools that are mandating vaccinations. You know, New Mexico State has not done that yet. It would certainly make things easier for all involved if everybody was 100% vaccinated. At the same time, people who don't want to get it for whatever reason, we want to put learned individuals, doctors, we have a renowned virologist on campus just so they can explain the science behind it. But we are not at mandating that 
this point in time. Now, last year was a unique experience, and students had the opportunity to opt out of the season for health concerns. Do they still have that? If there's any student athlete who may have a pre-existing condition or health concerns, do they still have the option to opt out of the season and maintain scholarship status? That is a great question. You know, I don't know the answer to that. And I will have to defer to my compliance guy to see what the, I mean, obviously that was an NCAA rule. They said, Hey, you know, if you're uncomfortable and we've had football athletes, women's track, uh, we had women's tennis, off the top of my head, those are the three sports that had some opt-outs, mm-hmm. you know, out of our 16 sports. You pose a wonderful question, and I'm going to find an answer to that. Excellent. Thank you for that. To switch gears a little bit, it's recently been reported that NMSU is the first school to sponsor its own brand of tequila. Yeah. Can, can, can you tell <laughs> me a little segue. bit more about that? Yeah. <laughs> yes. We found the cure for COVID, and it's in tequila, right? now. If only. Yeah, we have made a... Um, a little bit of a niche for ourselves getting into these consumables. Years ago, we came out with our collegiate licensed beer. We came out with a collegiate wine, and then we kind of broke ground with the first collegiate spirit, partnered up with a whiskey maker. This is a little different. This is through our Learfield, our multimedia rights partnership. So they are Cantera Negra Tequila is the official tequila of Aggie Athletics, just like Coors Light is the official beer or you know, so-and-so is the official bank. Yes. The reason why we kind of made a little bit more of a splash is because I believe we're the first university in the country to partner with a tequila company. You know, at New Mexico State University, we are very rarely first in the country in anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I say that as a former alum. So whenever there's an opportunity to kind of break new ground and, you know, get some splash in the media about being the first, I always said, I can't control the wins and losses, but we can control, you know, we're undefeated as far as throwing parties are concerned. So we had a bunch of donors out there. They feel good about things. They're getting out. They're breathing fresh air. They're being social with each other that they haven't seen in a long time. And we get to talk about the upcoming football season. And, you know, it's just a great way to get everybody ginned up for the season. How do you plan to have that help the athletic department? Here, we take money from everybody. You know, we're not self-sustained. Whether it's student fees, whether it's money from the state of New Mexico, whether it's money from campus, then the onus is on us to be as creative and generate as much revenue as we can. And the first year the beer really took off, we made $30,000 from the beer. Now, a lot of people are like, oh, that's that's okay. It doesn't seem like much. But in 2019, pre-pandemic, that would have been my third highest ticketed sport behind basketball and football. So it's not insignificant. Then this past year, during the pandemic, I got a call from a collegiate licensing company and they said, hey, do you realize you had a 20% increase in consumables in a pandemic and you didn't have one sporting event? Now, seeing that the athletic department can now be innovative in generating revenue, that option is now open to student athletes themselves, with the Supreme Court allowing athletes to profit off of their name, image, and likeness. How does NMSU, the athletic department, how do they view this change in dynamic? I think it's great. You know, look, I was a former college student athlete. I was a former professional student athlete in baseball in the minor leagues. I am not one of those ADs that think, oh, this is going to ruin everything and this is terrible. It's definitely going to be different. And there's 8 million questions. Look, Las Cruces is significantly different than Ann Arbor or Athens, Georgia, or, you know, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. You know, we are less sophisticated from a collegiate space, from our donor base and things like that. Now, our coaches and our student athletes are just the same. They hear and see all these things and they want to know, you know, hey, what can we do? I really think that 
the educational component is key. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you protect yourself? I mean, don't don't take anything that, you know, the law says you're not supposed to. We were unique in the fact that New Mexico was one of those first six states that passed a law allowing name, image, and likeness. And it yes. was really done through a state senator, Mark Moores in Albuquerque, who was a former New Mexico Lobo offensive lineman. So he got the ball rolling there. You know, then the NCA came out with the guidelines. We as a school need to decide, hey, what do we want to allow? Can a student athlete take advantage of an opportunity wearing their uniform? Can they use their marks? So we're in the process of formalizing our kit, so to speak, that we want to give to all the student athletes. So we want this up and ready to go when everybody comes back in August. We can expect a sold out game for the Rio Grande rivalry between the New Mexico State Aggies and the UNM Lobos. I'm sure about that. You know, that's a road game. So I hope it's like 4,000 Aggie fans and no Lobo fans. But yeah, I have a feeling there'll be a pretty healthy crowd rooting against us. It should be a great game nonetheless. He is the New Mexico State University Athletic Director, Mario Morcia. Thank you. Thank you very much for talking with me. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I think it's every athlete's dream to win the state championship for their high school, to be cemented in the school's Hall of Fame for taking out a bitter rival, The girls' basketball team at Volcano Vista High School can claim those bragging rights as they beat their bitter rival to win it all, and they got national recognition in doing it. I got on a Zoom call with head coach Lisa Villarreal and players Natalia Chavez, Kennedy Brown, and Jalen Bates to talk about it. This looks to be like a pretty intense rivalry you all had with Hobbs. The season before, you go, was it 26-3, and and Hobbs beats you in the playoffs. Natalia, how did it feel to beat them to win the state championship? Um, it felt great because we got to face them once again. And, you know, we wanted to play them again the whole season. So it felt great just to go back to the pit and actually, like, win it this time. On that most famous shot that you hit from half court. Chavez now with one, throws it up with the buzzer. It went in! Oh, my gosh! Volcano Vista wins it! I thought they were just going to run the clock out and she took that shot. A buzzer beater to win the state championship, which is nominated for an ESPY. For listeners who don't know, ESPYs are awards by ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports. They give to the top plays of the year, no matter what level of sport. Girls High School hoops at number two, Volcano Vista and Hobbs game tied in overtime, three and a half seconds to play. Natalia Chavez catches the inbounds, lets it fly, banks it in at the buzzer. Wins the New Mexico State Championship for Volcano Vista 52-49. And you're up for the shot of the year. How'd you get the news? When I got the news, I honestly didn't know about it. Um, One of the boys from the basketball team is the one that actually told me about it. So I actually didn't believe it at first. And then I was like, sent it to my mom and she looked for it. And I was like, oh, it's actually, it's like, it's true. Like, this is crazy. So it's like an exciting feeling and like unbelievable. That's pretty cool. Now, you all only had 13 games this season because of COVID. Talk to me about what it was like preparing for basketball, going to school, dealing with a global pandemic. Was it really hard for you to concentrate or was like playing the game, being with your teammates, did that help you? Jalen, tell me how that was for you. It wasn't too bad, just with the support of like all the coaches and everyone else, just getting used to being just online and then going to the gym. Kennedy, how was last year? For you, with everything, school, COVID, basketball. 
it was fine for me personally because it was a lot of time for us to recover and rest. So we would be able to get into the gym, get our schoolwork done, and then have the rest of the day just to do what we needed to do. So get extra work in, which I thought it was nice. The only part was just the guessing game of if you're going to play or not. What did you all do to make sure that your team remained focused no matter, I mean, again, you got school, you got basketball, you got being a teenager on your hands in a crazy year. What did you all do to motivate each other to keep each other focused on the goal of winning the state championship? Um, I think that the biggest thing that we did was just make sure our culture was strong throughout the whole entire situation that we were going through. Whether that was making sure everyone got their grades in check and was getting all their schoolwork done and turned in because we didn't know what grades they were taking and that affects our eligibility to play. Talk to me about the preparation and training that you all did after you got that loss from Hobbs last year. Is it fair to say that Hobbs is your main rival? Yes. In the game... And they seem to key in on you two, Natalia and Jalen. You guys are the leading scorers for the team. What was your flow? How was your feeling within the game? It was just really depending on everyone else to, I don't want to really say step up, but being able to like help us, being able to find open man. It's just, we really had to depend on each other. Sophomore season, you get beat by your rival. Junior season, you get to beat your rival and have it all over Sports Center at the same time. Senior season comes up, you know Hobbs is going to be mad looking for payback. What are you all thinking? We all know that now we have the pressure on our back, but at the same time, like it's good pressure and it's healthy pressure to us to make sure that our practices are always going to be high level because we know what it takes now to be successful and to win that. And we know what it took to lose too. So I think making sure that we find the balance of always working hard, but making sure that we're staying motivated because this year, I mean, as much as last two, that we want another ring. Coach Villarreal, talk to me about your philosophy in coaching. Are you just one to, like, hey, let me teach these young ladies about the game of basketball so they can be the best players they can possibly be, win a championship for their high school, maybe go off to college and get scholarship opportunities? Or do you see something deeper when you're coaching? You know, these girls come to me with a lot of talent and they've been playing at a very young age at a high level already. So what I like to do in my programs is we have a lot of repetition. You know, a lot of people say, what do you talk about when you're saying muscle memory? Well, you know what? I really believe that if you do something long enough each and every day in those high pressure situations, it's going to come natural to them. And that's exactly the point that I see when we're playing in these high level games. I just see things come automatic to them. Practices are driven just by the essentials. Dribbling every day, shooting a lot of shots every day, agility and speed certain shooting drills that we do, you could see it actually happen and being executed in a game. And it's a beautiful thing when it just comes so natural because they have done it over and over and over again. Do you have a a half court shooting drill? Oh, you know what the girls, all they have to do is give me a heads up because I don't need that ball knocking my glasses off. (laughs) (laughs) I hear that. Natalia, everybody's like, hey, you're the star of New Mexico because you hit that huge shot. What has that been like with all the fame and notoriety you're getting? Um, It's been a lot. After the shot happened, like the whole tournament was over, I've gotten a lot of messages and stuff. It's kind of 
it, it was a good feeling, but it kind of got overwhelming at times because it was just happening so fast that I wasn't prepared for it. Now it kind of has settled down. I went to my brother's basketball game and like little girls are coming up to me asking me if I was the one that made the shot and stuff. Just get excited to like know that I was the one that hit the shot. So it's pretty, it's a pretty good feeling. Yeah, to be an inspiration to younger players out there. That's got to feel awesome. Now, Kennedy, tell me, what do you all get from being on this team and this journey that you've had with your teammates and really going through the ups and downs and the struggles? What type of closeness and bond? does that give you all? So I think the biggest thing is with our team is every single piece matters and every single person played a role that couldn't be fulfilled by anyone but them. So it was super special. Like all the pieces came together at the end, obviously. And we were super big on team dinners and getting together as much as possible. Of course, it was different because we had to be COVID safe, but we made it work and we just tried our best to stay close during this hard time and in the short season we had. But it was super special in the end, and obviously it showed on the court to the point where we didn't want anything to stop us, and we didn't. So that was the biggest thing. Awesome. Jalen, what are your goals for next season? Just like every other team, to get back into the pit and just have the best season you can go, trying to go undefeated. I was looking at the schedule in the games. It seems like the only tough game you guys had was the state championship game. Semifinals, kind of. But the state championship <laughs> game was the toughest game you all had all season. You beat somebody with 75 to 22, pretty dominant performance. Obviously, you knew that Hobbs was going to give you a run. It was easy all season, but here you are with the stiffest competition in the biggest game of the year. How did you approach that situation? These girls were driven. We were on a mission since we walked out of the pit the year before and took that picture of that score where we lost by 15 points. You know, that was a driving force for us to get back. And we knew it was going to be a crash course between us and Hobbs. I think the whole state kind of knew that we were the two best teams and we were headed to meet up in the state title game. We just needed to get ready and prepare. We didn't let up. It gave us a lot of opportunities to get the girls off the bench, some playing time so that we could rest our starters as well. Like Kennedy says, it all fell into place at the right time. All the teams that we faced along the way, it may have looked easy on the scoreboard, but nobody's going to lay down and roll over because Volcano Vista steps in the gym. They all gave us a run for our money at certain points, and they made us work, and that's all we could have asked for in a season like this. Coach, what can we look forward to in the 2021-2022 season? We've talked about it. There's one thing. This is our school's fourth state championship with these girls. The only thing lacking is a back-to-back. So once I open that can of worms with the girls, they're on another mission, and I know it. You know, maybe I can just sit back and and watch it all happen. Nice, nice. That must feel good. (laughs) It must feel good as a coach. You know, you're like, hey, this is the goal, and you've got three leaders like you have here on the line who are going to do everything they can to make sure that they and the rest of the team meet that. That's something else. Once we hit the gym running, it's going to be full force, and even though it's their mission to get back to the state title game and win one, the focus and the energy, the whole dynamic and practice is, is a fun thing to watch as well. I, for one, am going to keep my eye on Volcano Vista Lady Hawks basketball. I'm expecting another championship, so don't let me down. (laughs) 
Thank you for thank having you. me. Thank yeah, you for having thank us. You. Thank you. Absolutely my pleasure. That is Coach Lisa Villarreal, Natalia Chavez, Kennedy Brown, and Jalen Bates from the Volcano Vista girls basketball team. State champs. Thank you all so much. Enjoy your summer. Thank you. Congratulations again. Keep up the good work. Thank Bye. you. Thank right. you. Bye. Bye. We are the No More Normal is brought to you by Your New Mexico Government, a collaboration between KUNM, New Mexico PBS, and the Santa Fe Reporter. Funding for our coverage comes from the Kellogg Foundation and KUNM listeners like you. Support for public media provided by the Thornburg Foundation. Hear us each week on KUNM Sundays at 11 a.m. Find past episodes online at KUNM.org or wherever you look for podcasts. This is No More Normal. I'm Khalil Ekelona. We are catching up with the world of sports this week. Fans are allowed back in the stands and popcorn is flowing. Sports give us a sense of normalcy for now. And for now, we'll take it. You've heard from a couple state championship teams and the AD at New Mexico State. Coming up, we have a word from the network that broadcasts high school games all over the state. And we hear from the prognosticators. Stick with us. All these great stories about high school games. Well, what about the people who bring you the games? That's where ProView Networks comes in. They air high school sports here in New Mexico. I wanted to learn more about how they cover the state and all of its schools to broadcast players' shining moments to friends and family. I stopped by their studio in downtown Albuquerque and spoke to Jason Pohl, and I am technical director here at ProView Networks. Alden Iwani, and I'm schedule and programmer for ProView Networks. All right, so ProView Networks covers high school sports throughout the state of New Mexico. Last year, there were no high school sports due to COVID. How did that affect your job, and then how did that affect you? How it affected my job, well, of course there were no sports, but that was a big change. We still have a 24-7 channel, so we still technically had to keep a channel running. The viewers were able to watch past years of state championships and all that but there was no new incoming content so you kind of need content to put out for the people so that was a big change and then for me personally I honestly enjoyed it I had more time with the wife and I mean I love what I do but sometimes just a break is, is a, it was always nice Alden the pandemic started at state basketball if you guys all remember so we were in the busiest part of our season and then everything kind of just came screaming to a halt which was very difficult it was a different state basketball tournament that's for sure and just in general as far as work goes and it was weird not being super busy but like Jason alluded to for myself personally it was kind of a nice time to recollect myself I have a niece and nephew so I was able to chill with them a little bit during the pandemic it was a nice little reset but it was definitely a, a crazy time for sure now, you handle scheduling, yeah. 
And a lot of people think high school sports, that should be easy to cover, you know? Tell me about the hectic nature that's scheduling televised sporting events for basically all the high schools out here. Tell me what that's like. Oh, it's intense, man. (laughs) When we found out sports was coming back, it was insane. For instance, basketball, we were doing seven locations a night. We're doing C-team, JV, and varsity games for APS and Rio Rancho. It was definitely really hard. With the schedule, usually things are set in stone. There were certain cases where people would have outbreaks, so teams would cancel and shut it down. Like El Dorado basketball, they shut down for like two weeks during the season, and we're doing a bunch of their games. So it was a very rocky, slippery slope I had to climb as a being a scheduler for sure. Now, Jay, tell me what goes into covering an event, like a football game coming up this fall. First and foremost, you need power, you need internet. Internet, that's key. So you always got to do a line test. You always go test out your tests. But if there's multiple games and we only have so much equipment, you kind of have to lay out all of your equipment, prefabricate a setup that you think would work for each game. So you have two announcers, you need two headsets, you need a headset for you, you need two cameras, maybe a three for the scoreboard. You need extra SDI cables just in case something happens. Sometimes we're all the way out at Cleveland High School. I mean, 45-minute drive back to your office is it's a no-go. So you have to pretty much have a checklist and make sure you have everything. It's just a lot of pre-planning. When you get the product done and you have everything going, it's all worth it. High school sports is all about kind of legacy. Winning a state championship for your high school, you can live off that for the rest of your life. Come back for the 15, 25, 30-year reunion, you're still being honored as champions. How does that feel to see these moments happen for young people in so many different venues? Well, for me, growing up, I watched a lot of Sports Center and sports growing up with my dad. That's some of the early memories of my childhood that I cherish. And, you know, when you can give that feeling of being on TV and being seen to all these high school kids, it means the world to me because I'm one of the few uh, workers here at ProView who has actually played on ProView and been able to come back and actually work with ProView. Any chance we can get to spotlight these kids, make them feel like they're on SportsCenter, that they're on ESPN, that their grandparents family members, wherever they're at, are able to watch. That means the world to me. Are there any memorable moments? Obviously, you know, the buzzer beater at the state championship, Natalia Chavez, that was huge at the pit. One thing I wish we were at full capacity because the pit during state finals is is rocking. Another memory, I mean, going down south, watching El Dorado, my alma mater, they beat Mayfield, which is unheard of. Mayfield ran things. The south ran things in football. And when El Dorado beat them, I kind of had some pride. I know a couple years ago you guys had this wacky show called The Prognosticators on there. Can anyone just come up and say, hey, I want to do a sports show with ProView Networks? How does that process work about getting started working with you all? Basically, you can come with us, anybody. We're, or, we're, open. we're open for any shows. The city is very helpful with equipment and any help and assistance. Any show you want, we hear you out. Of course, you have to pitch it to us and it has to be something that's viable but even then I mean if you're all about your craft and you have an idea and that's basically what we see like if we see that you're all about this show and you want it we'll help you are there any new sports you guys are picking up to cover this season usually we stick to the main sports but in recent years we've gotten 
a lot better with cross country. We've done tennis in the past, Ninja Warrior, anything you can think of we've done. Hopefully maybe we could reach into the esports realm. We've all wanted to kind of dabble into that realm. But other than that, it's pretty much just the big three. What are you looking forward to in this 2021-2022 season? I'm looking forward to 100%. Every game gets up. That's simple, and people love to just watch it. I mean, it's not all about us. I mean, I want to make a good product, and I want it to be not backbreaking. I want it to be very smooth, rolling, and I want to bring light to all these kids. If we get some kids in college and get them to the next level, then we've done our part. We're not asking much. We're not asking for anything. I just, if these kids can go back and watch their footage and we have it archived properly and they have the highlights of them and they love it, then I think we're, that's all I'm here for. For me, it's just to continue the competition factor going, you know, after that whole year of us being off and being stuck at our homes due to the pandemic, back to normalcy, you know, just doing the games, having the kids compete and leave it at that. Jason and Alden, thank you guys very much for talking with me. Appreciate it. Not a problem. Thank you. Thank you as always. Like I said at the top of the show, I'm a sports fan. I found some pretty great friendships cheering on my squad or heckling another. A few years ago, I got with three of my sports buddies and we created a show called The Prognosticators. We attempted to combine the comedy of Saturday Night Live with sports. Successful or not, it was fun. So I got the guys together and we had a conversation about some of the sports news of the day. The following views are from The Prognosticators and do not represent the views or opinions of No More Normal, this station, or any of our media partners. With that... I hope you enjoy. All right, you are now with the prognosticators taking you everywhere in the football and sports universe. We got the old gang back together. I'm here with Benjamin, Benny Waska, Eaglin, Jesse, the rookie Hendricks, and Mr. Rod, the Maverick Parker. Fellas, how are you doing? Doing real good, Khalil. All right, so we're going to jump into a segment that we call Drinking the Kool-Aid. We are drinking the Kool-Aid. And the first topic, we're going to talk about baseball. The rules have changed. So major league pitchers were able to use a substance called rosin. If you ever see them go and grab this bag so they can grip the ball much better. Now that has taken off to they use this substance called Spider tack, which is a very, very sticky substance, allows them more control of the ball. Therefore, they can manipulate the pitches and throw with the Major League Big stuff. That's why they're there. Now, Major League Baseball has changed those rules in the middle of the season. And may I say something in the middle of your sentence? This is a rhetorical point because I think there's symbolism here. They didn't change the rule. They began enforcing the rule that existed. So... For sticklers and arbitrary rule followers like myself who love to not jaywalk just so we could feel some righteous indignation when other people do, we've been waiting for this moment our whole lives. We are so excited it's here. I don't know. The rules is the rules, man. Like, use what you've got. You've got suntan lotion on your arm. There's rosin in your hand. Hey, that happens. Spider tack, I'm pretty sure it's called spider tack because you put it on your fingers and toes and you actually crawl up walls like Spider-Man. 
I think that's, I, I'm pretty sure that's the only intended purpose. Just like Peter Parker, Mav Parker, you got a take on this. Well, I, I mean, I think everybody wants the pitchers to have a very secure grip on the baseball. Um, when you when you have nine innings of 95 plus, you, you, you no one wants pitchers to lose control of the baseball. Um, and, you know, you, you know, as much as you don't want, you know, the bat flying everywhere, <clears throat> certainly you don't want the ball flying everywhere either at these speeds. Um, I think there's a lot of psychological factor involved. Pitchers are very heady athletes. And, and all, you mess with their rhythm, their routine, their, their thing, um, they can really get, you know, uh, screwed up by that and can get into a pitching rut, whether it has anything to do with the rosin or whatever. Um, and so, you know, that I think there's a, a lot of things, sort of a lot of layers to this. And the reason it's so controversial right now is because of all this witch hunting, right? They're going after players who are they're being told that they're cheating and, and they're claiming that they're not. And we've seen this on, you know, on the highlights. This has become an issue, right? This is why we're, we're having the conversation is because there's pushback. With the sticky substance thing, you know, it's nice to let things slide and then they take it a little too far. I could tell you that right now. Anyone who's got children in their home or who has been around children, you give them a little bit, eventually they're gonna take it too far and then mean daddy has to come. And then mean daddy's the bad guy. And mean daddy's sitting here like, wait, wait, wait. I told you it was not chill to wrap your sister up in that rope and put her in the middle of the road. I told you it wasn't chill. So why is, why is mean daddy the bad guy? Because I gave you the rope? Because I had 17 beers and let you play with your sister in the front yard? I don't think I'm the bad guy. Switching gears slightly, the NCAA got shot down by the Supreme Court a few weeks ago in stating that college athletes can now make money off of their name, image, and likeness. So if I were a big-time UNM table tennis star, I could now get a sponsorship from Budweiser or someone and make some money and put that in my pocket, and it is not a violation how do you all feel about college athletes being able to finally make some money off of their name and image based on their performance in the sport that they're playing? Benny. Well, we have to go back, right? If we're going to, it's just like with legalization of weed, we should be releasing everybody who went to jail for weed charges, right? Well, like, uh, aren't there, aren't there a lot of folks who now we have to go back and change the history books? Like it's impossible. There's you, you can't unring the bell. Word of the day. Do you guys think that it's going to change college sports with players? Some are getting some big-time deals. Master P, son, who plays for Middle Tennessee State, got a deal for $2 million. There's other ones. There's a set of twins, young ladies who play for the Fresno State women's basketball team. They're sponsored by Boost Mobile. I'm looking at this, and it's like if you are a bench warmer, but you have a huge social media following, you can make yourself some coin. I don't think it's a problem necessarily. I'm just worried about we've rung this bell that we can't unring, and in a year or two, are we going to be hearing vibrations that are detrimental to the sport and college athletes themselves? Unintended consequences all day. Here they come. But first of all, name, image, likeness? Absolutely. You've got a video game avatar that has my name and my face. I better get some money for that, for sure. And 
you know, a local kid doing a spot for a pizza joint. Who cares? First of all, people say kids. These are 18-year-old adults. They're not kids, right? They're not children. So they're getting money for name, image, and likeness. That's wonderful. The first unintended consequence that kind of seems likely to me is these small, I hate to call them markets. I'll call them small schools. Small schools are just going to get further trodden. They're going to get buried a little bit deeper. There's going to be less of a reason to go there. It's going to be I don't know what we're doing with this thing, like college sports in general. They're not amateurs. You know, here's, here's, the, here's something that might be a little um, off the rails, but something I suggest. You go to school on a football scholarship. You get a football degree. You get a football degree. You get a Bachelor of Arts in football. What can you do with that? I don't know. What can you do with Bachelor of Arts of English? You can coach. You can work on your way towards being a commentator or a sports writer. You can be a prognosticator someday. If you have a good GPA, maybe you get to graduate school and do something different. I don't know, but what are you studying there? Are you that's, studying? That's an interesting angle, Rook. I kind of like that. Do you like that? I am drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid on that one. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll drink the Kool-Aid too, a degree in football. So if I, you know, go, go there for it, my, once again, my table tennis prowess. Mm -hmm. I get a degree in table tennis. I mean, I don't know where those, maybe negotiations because we're going back and forth. I can be some type of attorney or agent with those skills. That's, I like that. That sounds good. Or you could end up working at the pub with all us Bachelor of Fine Arts people. Back at you with the prognosticators. Right now we're gonna show you something that we call honest press conferences. That's right. A lot of times you see the athletes, the coaches, the team representatives give press conferences before the game and after the game. They give us a little bit of information, but not always exactly what they mean. So we decided that we're going to have our own version of these press conferences, prognosticator style. First up is Benny as Bartholomew Jenkins, who was just hired as the team kicker for the Washington football team in Washington. Bartholomew, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Hi, Khalil. It's so great to be on your show, Nimono. Hi, everybody. Hey, Rook. What's up, Mav? How you doing, guy? You're with the Washington football team. Is it true that you called the owner of the Washington football team, Dan Snyder, a to his face? No, 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 no. That's, that's, no, that's purely conjecture. I never, I don't even know what a is. We don't talk like that. I mean, I, I might call him a, 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 a a, a cheeky bum looker, you know, something like that, maybe a mother, but I would never call him a putz. That, that was a rumor that got started somewhere in a chat room and then it made its way to the instas, you know what I mean? And, and so now like, I don't know, someone's Twitter sphere just got Twitter-pated and I'm, I'm not down with that. I don't call people names to the face. Wow, Barth, thank you so much for that um, spirited defense, self-defense, very good. Um, we all know that maybe kickers or, or kicking coaches or kind of maybe not the most popular guy on the team. Barth, are you lonely in that locker room? Lonely? What? No way. I've made so many friends. It's fantastic. I mean, the camaraderie, you know, between football players, you know, and, and you know, I'm a kicker. I know I don't get out there and bing, bang, boom, 
Like I met Chase Young, right? He was he was a defensive rookie of the year last year. He was fantastic and he's really big and has massive muscles. And and I was shaking his hand and it wow, it was a strong handshake. And then I fell over a, a helmet and I got stitches on the side of my head. And and he picked me up and I'd had no idea where I was. And he was really kind to me about all that. And and everyone's always patting me on the back and they're like, wow, you Brits really know football. Good job, Barthy. Keep on kicking. Yeah. Barth, I have a question for you. Uh, this is madman mm -hmm. here. I'm going to go off the grid a little bit. Get it grid as in grid iron. And I'm going to ask you a question about your, your country's sports situation over there in the UK. It seems that not only do we have Wimbledon, but we also have England in the European championships for the first time since 1966. Now, I'm going to propose a theory for you, Bart, for you and your country to think about. What if you could merge the fan experience of football, European football, British football, and tennis so that you could have tennis hooligans and you could sing during the tennis match and you wouldn't have to be quiet? What do you think about that as a Brit, Bart? You know, as a child, I was banned from... Wimbledon. I've been I've been banned from Wickingham Stadium. I've been banned from Buckingham Palace. I've been banned from so many places for having spoken out and really, you know, without the husband and the fire and the passion that I have, right? And 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 Wimbledon, it's it's very, very royal, you know, the royal family, you know. And and I would never call them cheeky bum knockers because that would be rude. <laughs> so don't do that. Um, but I, I get to, I get your point there, Mav, and, I, and and from you know from my you know, and I'm, perhaps that's why I'm now an American footballer because you guys really get it. You just you just get in there and say whatever you want and 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 express yourself all the way, and and you just tell yourself that you're the best all the time. Yeah, does that answer your question? Yes, it does. That's Barth. a wrap thank for you. honest press conferences and a wrap for the prognosticators. I want to thank my fellow prognosticators, Benjamin, Benny Waska, Eaglin, Jesse, the rookie Hendricks, and Mav, the Maverick Parker. Thanks, fellas. It's been fun. Yeah, it's getting crowded up here in space, but it is nice to kick it with just some regular old salt of the earth thousand airs. Very good to see you guys. the next No More Normal, it is all about the music. Live music performances are back and people are dancing. What about the musicians and DJs who had massive changes to their lives? What about the performance venues who almost closed? What about the ones that did? Keep on beat and get in rhythm with us on the next No More Normal.
As always, we want to thank all of our guests for sharing their experience and expertise. Special thanks to Jazzstone, the producer, Cheo, Dom Life, Business School, Sundog, and Olaud Records for providing music to the show. Khaki, Pope Yes Yes Y'all, and Bigawatt produced some of the show's themes. No More Normal is produced and hosted by yours truly. I'm Khalil Ekolona. Thanks for listening.